Welcome to Change Podcasts. We pray this message encourages you today. We meet every Wednesday night at 8pm. For more information, visit us at change.org.au. Fantastic. Thanks, guys. Awesome. You may be seated. Can I get a few more house lights on? That'd be great. Wow. Thanks, guys. Great job. Great worship tonight. Why don't we thank the guys? Fantastic. No, really thank them. There we go. Come on. Just give them a big cheer. I mean, not only do they put just a lot of effort and practice and hours and dedication, but uh, these guys are good. And they're good and they, they live in the presence of God. It's fantastic. Well, guys, how are you? This is great, isn't it? So thank you for, um, for the privilege of asking me to come and speak. It's a huge honor, it really is, to, uh, to speak anywhere uh, about the Bible and about God is always a great honor, but particularly with you guys. And I'm uh, very excited about all the things that God is doing and the future and Sunday nights and Presence Global and it's going to be great. It's great, fantastic and uh, good to see Tiles. It's great. How's Jazzy doing up there in Kwana Waters? Preaching for young adults with John Pierce's church. The National Directors of uh, National Directors Church. Hey, pretty big gig. You're good, good leaders, haven't you? Hey, yeah. Uh, all right. I won't. I won't waste any time. All right. We got. Okay. We got 20 minutes. Who's ready? Who's ready to listen? Listen quickly. Now, uh, obviously, there's this theme. God is. I'm. I'm speaking tonight about God is love, and what a great look. It really isn't a topic. It is the topic. There isn't anything else. You could probably all cancel all and every other session and because uh, this is really all that counts, uh, not the fact that I'm speaking, but you've been giving me the best topic there is. You know, love is used 900, 943 times in the Bible, almost 1,000 times, 343 times in the New Testament. I reckon in the whole Bible, it's almost three times a day that, that we, we need to be reminded how powerful love is. Incredible. 36 times in the Gospel of John. 39 times in the letters of John, 85 times in the writings of John. So I'm going to focus a little bit tonight on the writings of John, who is called the Apostle of Love. Uh, he is known as that. He was the apostle that, that leant against the breast of Jesus, was the closest to the heartbeat of Christ, uh, and, and incredible life, lived the longest, uh, and, and his famous... Uh, for the end of his days, if I could just go to the end of the story, uh, when he was probably in his 80s or 90s, survived many years and survived all the other apostles. And they apparently, according to traditions, not in the scriptures, but according to tradition, they, they picked him up and they got in front of the church uh, and they sort of sat him up in front of this massive church and, and said, John, give us your greatest and latest revelation." And he said, love one another. And he spent his whole life to summarize that, that one thing, love one another. The focus on that thing is ultimately it. You know, uh, there's a great scripture. And I'm just going to give you a whole bunch of verses. Is that okay? Because really, the only thing I can teach you about the love of God is from the Bible. Uh, you may be a little bit surprised tonight about some of the things that the Bible actually says and some of the things the New Testament specifically and how it defines love. Because our, unfortunately for many of us, love has been defined by movies, by the media, by magazines, 
And for the most part, it's not even close to accurate. And, and, and the worst case is that it, it actually takes us in our thinking and our constructs in our hearts completely away from the biblical version of what love is. So therefore, we need the Word of God right at the center to shape our thinking and our understanding. Because the Bible really, you know, Romans 12 says, Be renewed, uh, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. The area that needs renewing is our thinking. And if, we, if God can get a hold of our thinking and shape the way we think, then other things begin to happen. Really, it's about changing mindsets. And if we can change the mindsets, that's powerful. Ultimately, God wants to shift culture, the whole of the culture we live in. But it begins by shifting mindsets. Some, some sociologists believe that it takes four to six years to change a, a, a thinking and eight to ten years to change a culture in just one arena. So we've got a bit of work to do, haven't we? Uh, so our, 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 us as believers is really us getting right in the center of what the Word of God says about a whole bunch of things, but particularly this subject. You know, in 1 John 4, verse 7 to 10, in the Message Bible, uh, it, also, it says this, My beloved friends, let us continue to love each other since love comes from God. Everyone who loves is born of God and experiences a relationship with God. The person who refuses to love doesn't know the first thing about God because God is love. So you can't know Him if you don't love. This is how God showed His love for us. God sent His only Son into the world so we might live through Him. This is the kind of love we are talking about. Everybody say kind. Okay, so that's an important concept. It's the kind of love, which is sacrificial love, which God is talking about. Not that we once upon a time loved God, but that He loved us and sent his son as a sacrifice to clear away our sins and the damage they've done to our relationship with God. That's pretty cool. I got that up there. That's awesome. Hey, he, let me just give you a few thoughts. Love is the source. Everything is about love. There is no purpose or aim or meaning other than love. You cannot separate God and love. You cannot separate God. When you've got lo- God, you've got love. When you've got love, you've got God. How awesome is that? To be near one is to be near the other. Our relationship with God is an encounter with love in its purest and most original form and defines everything about our new life in Him. Where there is no love, there is no God, even though there still may be religion and spirituality. So don't be fooled by religion or spirituality. If in our expression of spirituality and, and religion there is no love, then God isn't there. Th- there are certain scriptures that are, that are all-encompassing and all-defining. For instance, another one in 2 Corinthians 3 that says, Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. In other words, where, there is, where God is, there's freedom. But you can invert that because th- that's what logic does. You invert that where there is freedom, there is the Spirit. You can also, the converse is also true, which is this. Where there is no freedom, there is no spirit. Similarly with love. Where there is no love, there is no God. And wherever love is, that's where God is. And when you're loving, you're the closest to the heart of God and closest to the purpose of God. And because God has put in your hearts love. The Bible says, He has shed shed abroad love in your hearts. And when you express that love, you are expressing God. 
You don't even need to talk about God if you're expressing love. Because the moment you're expressing love, God is moving. And God is traveling. And God is actually in the environment. The moment you love, the kingdom of God begins to come into that environment. You don't need to talk about God. I know people who talk about God and even quote scriptures about God, yet there is no love in them and no love in that environment because they do it without love. But the moment you love, God comes. And that is the word of God because it is the incarnate word of God that is more important than the red word of God. And it's the incarnate word of, word of God that is the character of God itself. And as we understand the red word of God and live the incarnate word of God, that is more powerful than quoting scriptures because that is God. Who got all that, anyone? <laughs> so the summary of all that is where love is, there's God. And if you keep loving, God will keep coming. And the closer you get to God, the closer you get to love, which is awesome. And so there's, there's tons of scriptures. I could, there's so many of them. Have 1 John 4, 17, 18, the next few verses, says this, God is love. It just defines it. It's not, see, love is not the fruit of God. Love is, love is the definition of God. So love is not the fruit of a walk with God. It, is, it defines God and defines Him most closely, more than any other quality. Check this out. God is love. This is from the Message Bible. When we take up permanent residence in a life of love, we live in God and God lives in us. This way, love has the run of the house, becomes at home and mature in us so that we're free of worry on Judgment Day. Our standing in the world is identical with Christ. There is no room in love for fear. Well-formed love banishes fear. Since fear is crippling, a fearful life, fear of death, fear of judgment, is no one yet fully formed in love. So the, the, the actual the original uh, scripture says, where love, uh, perfect love casts out all fear. So fear and love cannot coexist. They are the opposites of each other. So where there is fear, there is no love. Where there is love, there is no fear. Okay, if we translate into that into our lives, I believe our role as people is, is when we're loving that we banish fear. We banish control. We banish the things that make people afraid. Because if we withhold love, it makes people afraid of, our, of rejection. So I th one of the things is constantly accept people. Constantly. Just, just If you're accepting people, you're banishing the fear of rejection. And therefore, you're loving people. So if, if we get it down to the tin tacks of what that actually means. Have you ever seen fear in people? That you have the ability to get rid of fear out of people's lives as you as you approach them, accept them, give them affection. That that whatever experience they may have had in the past suddenly disappears, and you are injecting. Love doesn't come from above; it comes through. Love doesn't come from from the sky as if God. No, God's already done that. He's he. The ultimate expression of the love of God is what He's already done in the cross. He's already done the ultimate sacrifice has been done through the cross. We then believe in the cross. We receive that love of God. Now we are now the carriers of the love of God and we do it in our day-to-day -day relationships. Okay, So that understanding that is such an important thing. I love 1 Corinthians 13. I'm just going to keep rolling. Is that all right? 1 Corinthians 13. Unbelievable. It says, it says uh, now we see in part. Then we will see fully. Now we prophesy in part. Then we'll prophesy fully. In other words, there are two time zones. There's now and then. 
There's now and there's then. But we don't live in the then, we live in the now. The then is a whole other equation. The then, then things are going to be very different. But in order to get to then, we've got to understand how to live now. And it says, now, this is, I love this verse, verse now these three remain. In other words, we, there's a whole bunch of things we don't know. There's a whole bunch of things we can't see. And there's a whole bunch of things we don't understand. Who's with me on that one? There's a whole bunch of things I don't get. Every day I'm going, I don't get that. I don't get that. What, why is that happening? You know, like, there's a whole bunch of things. When I get to heaven, I've got a whole bunch of questions. Then I'm going to ask God and go, and, and, but of course, it all makes sense then, and they won't have to answer the, ask the questions. But anyway, that's, it's good to think about what the other questions in advance. But anyway, so there's a whole bunch of things I don't know. There's a whole bunch of things I don't understand. I don't understand how, why, how people treat each other in certain ways, irrespective of culture, irrespective of whatever. whatever. I don't get that. However, however, the Bible says this, now these three remain, faith, Hope and love. That's all you got. That's all you got. But here's the deal. That's all you need. That's all you need. You don't need full understanding. You don't need to have all the answers. You, in fact, as the older I get, and I know I'm a lot older than you, the older I get, here's what I've discovered. Thank you, Christian. The, here's what I've discovered. I actually know less relative to what I don't know. My understanding, I realize that I know less. Now, I know more, but I know less to relative to what I now I don't know. <laughs> Who's confused? Anyone? <laughs> you, you're such an intelligent group. You all got that, okay? So, so, I don't, so, therefore, if my pursuit of understanding is my goal, I'm a very sad person. So, therefore, forget it. Let me just save you the pain. Now, these three remain, faith, hope, and love. So instead of trying to grow in understanding as your pursuit, grow in faith, grow in hope, and grow in love. They are the only three tools. They are the three tools of the kingdom. And every situation you face in life needs one of those. Faith projects a vision and creates a future that didn't once exist. Without faith, all you live in is your current boring now. Faith produces a future that currently doesn't exist. And you will not get there without faith. The passing of time is not the future. The passing of time is merely the passing of time. The passing of time is just you getting older without you changing. But faith creates, turns you into something and creates a future that currently doesn't exist. That's what faith is. Faith is the hope of evidence, things not seen. That's what faith is. Hope is the ability to keep walking in that vision without giving up. And love is the purpose of it all. That is the blend of faith, hope, and love. And you need all three. Don't just get older, because you, you will someday, you won't be young adults, you'll be old adults. So therefore, engage in the purpose of God by faith. Live out your life and continue with hope and understand that the purpose of it all is love. And in every situation you're in, it is about the love of God. So that's the deal right there. Okay. So, and here's the deal. Like, as I looked at all these scriptures and looked at all the New Testament, I discovered that really there's only one thing that, that, that Jesus wanted of us. 
One thing. I'll I'll get to it in a second. Let me tell you what it isn't. We would think, oh, it's to love the world and to reach the world. It's actually not. It's not, it's hardly even in the Scriptures. You know what goes on over and over and over again all through the Scriptures, particularly through the writings of Jesus, the words of Jesus and the writings of John, love one another. The, all, the, it, all that I just said has one context because you've got to understand that love is a context. The context of New Testament love is loving one another. That means this room. You're one, you have to understand who your one another is. Your one another isn't someone else. Your one another isn't the people you're trying to reach. Your one another isn't the people one day you'll meet. The one another is the people you're doing life with now. That's who God has called us to love. And the only valid New Testament expression of love is how we treat one another right now. So if we don't learn it now in our immediate context that God has put people in, and if those relationships are breaking down and we can't even maintain that, we will never love anyone else. We will never love the world. We'll never love it. Will, it means nothing. The people that God has put us, and here's what I've discovered, is that those people that God has put us amongst often is the biggest challenge and the context of the love of God, that that's the point. And if you can't overcome that, then the love of God is not in you and you do not know God. That's not my words. I'm, that's not me. Don't shoot me. I'm just the messenger. If you read the New Testament, that the New Testament is so clear and says, if you cannot love your brother that's next to you, you do not know God. I'll just let that hang. I'm convicted. You don't need to be convicted. I'm not trying to convict you. I'm convicted. So, so you know, Scripture after Scripture. Um, 2 John 1.6 Love means doing what God has commanded us. And He has commanded us to love one another, just as you heard from the beginning. So interesting, love. Here's another thing, little little concept throughout you. Love is a New Testament command. What the Old Testament had in the commandments, all of the New Testament is summed up in one command. Love one another. All of the law, all of the New Testament, and all of Old Testament law is summed up in one new command. Jesus said, a new commandment I give you, colon, love one another. Because it's all summed up in that. In order to love one another, you've got to love God. And in or, when you love one another, you don't steal from them. You don't sleep with their wife. You don't, you know, it's, it's like you, you don't have to lay out the Ten Commandments because love is the summation of all the law, which is awesome. And, and the person who that is summed up in, in, in entirety, of course, is Christ. How amazing is that? Uh, I just don't have time to go through the scriptures, you know. First John 2, 7. Dear friends, I'm not writing a new commandment for you rather than all one you've had from the beginning. This is our commandment to love one another. Yada, yada, da, love one another. Look, okay, here's the deal. If you want to really do a really good just reading and just soak in it, read the Gospel of John. The Gospel of John, he really takes us on a, the reader on a journey of the love of God because it begins with the incarnation. It begins for us to understand that love is incarnation. Love is not philosophical. Love is not emotional. Love is incarnate. What does that mean? Love is always a person. 
And it began with the ultimate person, which is Jesus, which, you know, John 1.14. So the word became human and made his home among us. He was full of unfailing love and faithfulness. And we have seen his glory. John 1.17. For the law was given through Moses, but God's unfailing love and faithfulness came through Jesus Christ. There defines the difference between the new and the old testament the old was law the new was love the old was moses the new is jesus the difference and that is us if you're living in old testament christianity where it is about the letter instead of about the spirit which because the spirit is about love and the letter is about law then then we're living the wrong form of christianity it's all about the love of god and so it just it just goes on john 5 uh, I know that love, especially God's love, John 8, John 12, or whatever. Okay, we'll skip all this, okay? And we'll, come, we'll cover it some other time. Let me summarize in this. And you've probably heard me say this before. That the ultimate summation of what Jesus was trying to communicate was really at the Last Supper. And in the Last Supper, his communication about the love of God to the disciples, because he had one night left with them, and he had to get the message strong. So he covered so much territory. And in John 14, let me give you the summary. I can give you the scriptures later, but the summary is this. The love of Jesus is expressed in obedience to his commands. New Testament love is defined by obeying Christ. I'll say that again. New Testament love is defined by obeying Christ. In other words, he says, if you don't obey me, you don't love me. And if you don't love me, you can't love. So it begins, the love of God begins with obedience. That obedience is the foundation on which my feet now stand. I can't go, because if, if, if Christians, and here's where a lot of Christians fail. They go, they get touched by God and they want to love. Oh, I love people, I love people, whatever. But they don't obey God. They don't obey the Word of God. They don't obey the New Testament. So therefore, tr they're trying to love out of human effort. They will fail. You will fail every time. Because your own background, your own emotions, your own failings, your own thing will, will get the better of you. But if you love according to the command of Jesus, then you're loving out of truth. You're, you're loving out of, a, out of a strength and a power that's far greater than you. And in that, you will love every time. You cannot fail because you're loving out of obedience. If you're obedient to Christ, you will always, the end result will be the love towards people. Does that make sense? That is a revelation. Okay. Then the love of the Father is in me and for me. The love of the Father is in me and for me if I obey Christ. If I don't obey Christ, the love of the Father is not in me. And the love of the Father is not for me. As a pastor, I see this all the time. All the time. Even recently, last few days, a couple of someone, they have, they have a ministry. And they have this ministry that wants to take the world and do this and that. And, you know, and so you try to get with these people and help them because it's helping a few people and damaging a whole bunch of other people. And, and, People do not respond to guidance, correction, and obedience. And as a result, their lives cannot live in the effective, powerful love of God. Because the order of the, of the New Testament creates 
in us the ability to build our life on the platform of Christ and the platform of that, that obedience. And unless we obey the word, unless we obey Christ, we cannot have the true love of God in us. Then in John 15, so that's just John 14. John 15, he hits another issue. John 15, here's the summary of John 15. If you remain in me, my love remains in you. In other words, unless we remain in Christ, the love of God won't remain in us. So that as believers, we've got to constantly remain in Christ. What does that mean? That means everything from the Word, prayer, and the body of Christ. If you separate your life from the body of Christ, the love of Christ will not remain in you. I've seen that thousands and thousands of times. Too many times to count. Where people separate their lives from Christ and the, His body, and they think, I'll be fine, I'll be fine, I've got up. No, they haven't. I don't have enough in me the only love I have is the love that I've gained from Christ and His body. That's the only love I have. And if I remain in Him, Jesus said, your love remains in me. And it goes further. If you love me, you obey my commands. I've said that already. And then it says, check this out, John 15. If you love me, you'll love one another and the world will see it. Okay, now we have a link. If you love me, you'll love one another. If you love one another, the world will see it. Then the world will come to the kingdom of God. It isn't, us, it isn't really about us loving the world. It's actually more about us loving God and loving one another. And the world will look at that and go, I want that. Because it's a pure love. It's a kingdom love. It's a New Testament founded love. And it's an uncompromising love. That is the deal. We've actually got to work more in loving one another and understanding how that comes from the love of Christ. And just to finish off, you know the story, in, and, it, and it finishes in a personal story, John 21. The last story of the Gospels. Jesus, you know the story, dies, goes to the grave, resurrected from the dead, and then starts wandering around. And just before he's ascended into heaven, he has a conversation and a chat with Pete. Yeah, and he has to, he cannot leave the earth without restoring the love relationship that he's got with his best buddy and with his key leader. And because Peter had denied him three times. So just before Jesus left to go into heaven, he gets with Pete. And I knew Pete knew it was coming. And Pete was like, like he felt like sort of a little bit distant and annoyed and, and, and hurt and all, he was confused. Because he was disconnecting with Christ, there was no love in Peter's heart. So Jesus was awesome, gentle, wonderful, gracious, but loving. Got with Peter in front of his friends said, Peter, do you love me? And of course Peter loved him. Of course he did. But Jesus wanted to do two things. He wanted to heal his heart and direct connection with him because he was disconnected. You know when people get disconnected from God? Their hearts want God, what have you, but they're all a bit confused, what have you, because there needs to be reconnection. That's why recommitment to God is very important. So Jesus said, do you love me? He said, I love you. And here's the amazing thing. Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. And he said it three times. Peter, do you love me? Love my sheep. Here's the conclusion of New Testament love. If we love Jesus, we'll love what he loves. I'll say it again. If we love Jesus, we'll love what he loves. The ultimate form of New Testament love 
is not receiving the love of Jesus. It's loving what he loves. What does he love? He loves the church. So Jesus said, if you love me, you'll love my church. And that's the people around us. I am, I am in love with the church. And I don't mean the organization of the church. I don't mean the construct of the church. I don't mean the concept of the church. I don't mean the departments of the church. I mean the church, the people. And my heart is to love people at the expense of me. And at my expense, because then I am and you are Christ expressed sacrificial love to the church. The ultimate expression. People talk about, oh, I receive love of God, I feel love of God, I love God, I live in the love of God. I'm like, well, okay, that's great. That's awesome. Get it, believe it, and don't forget it. And go on for that. But it doesn't end there. We've got to love one another. But there's a, there's a higher, uh, the higher loving one another, it is absolutely loving the church. Loving what God loves. And if you love what God loves, you won't destroy it. I see people destroying the church every day. Every day. By their actions, their attitudes, their, how they treat people, the decisions they make. Every decision I make, is this decision going to love the church or not love the church? If people look at my life, if I, if I do certain things or don't do certain things, I will not backslide because that will cause destruction of the church. If I get, if I get taken out, thousands of people have been looking at my life for years. They will, some of them will get taken out. I cannot afford to not love the church. Too many, people, too many people's eternal destiny is involved, similarly with you. And it may be only one who will get affected, but that one counts. That one person and their eternal life counts. If I love Jesus, I love what he loves. And if I can summarize it, that I can summarize in tonight. Let's stand on our feet right now as we finish.